So do you actually have an inflatable turkey for your front yard? I absolutely do. Also, I, I can send you a picture. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and it says it says got turkey on it uh, because the turkey is a total sellout. Eat me, I'm delicious. Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security, talking about news. As always, this is brought to you by Black Hills Information Security. Did you know that instead of just hacking, we also unhack things as well? If you're interested in like getting unhacked or preventing yourself from getting hacked in the first place, check us out at Black Hills Information Security. This is also brought to you by Anti-Siphon InfoSec Training. I hate to be that guy, but if you go look on my Twitter feed, we have this like Cyber Monday deal where our entire course catalog on demand is available every class, including the cyber range for $1,500, which is like a smoking good deal. So please check that out. I am joined today back fresh from Thanksgiving and we've got a crew of people. I was trying to read that diagram. Sorry. Yeah, I was, I'm still reading it. What diagram? (laughs) The the diagram, like the text goes around in a circle (laughs) for for all the things that we do. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, I, yeah. I was reading that one. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a horrible pie chart, I guess. <laughs> horrible pie chart thingy. Just trying to figure it, out. Who it needs to come up with like, another one. It needs to be a spin the bottle thing. Oh, yeah, just make yes. it use a PowerPoint animation so it's yeah, spinning it's around in a circle. Spinning. It's, you can't really read it too, and like adjust the frame rate so it's like, kind of blurry oh. the whole time. Yeah, it just it spins and it just so happens to get really flickery at like 60 megahertz or something like that. Yeah, that'll be helpful. And at the end, play the sound. The They're like, oh no, Pikachu, flashback. So, all right, I am joined. I've got Noah in the upper left-hand corner. Um, I've got Mike. Thank you very much for joining, Mike. Rocking the blue team shirt. We've got Bronwyn showing up again. By the way, Bronwyn, I do like your background choice of wood because, you know, this we remember the 70s. Yeah, this we remember. My mine too. This is how we live. We live like we're in shacks being hunted <laughs> by the FBI in the middle of the woods. That's a lifestyle. That's a choice. It's also a joined by Corey, also known as I Know Him, He's Me. And Ralph is with Either us. Me. So first story, I, I do want to talk about this. Um, we just kicked this out. Musk, Elon Musk talking about his Twitter 2.0. And normally, it's I don't so know. Good. It's so good. Musk, we talk about him again. It's we, we talked about it so much last week, and it's only gotten uh, worse. It's so amazing. So everything about him now is just like getting really cringy. The the thing that's in this is he's talking about people who write great software are the highest priority, and I, I you know for those of us that have been around for a really long time, whenever you get to like the full stack engineers or I'm a one percent developer, what do they call the developers that they're like the better than like whatever developer like i'm a annoying. top one percent developer egomaniacs yes that's it and i just feel like that's the company he's building now um no. 10x that's it 10x engineer i get 10 i get 10 times the work done of any other oh. engineer every company i've ever worked with every time i've ever worked stack overflow users <laughs> with people like that, <laughs> all stack overflow users just respond it's, it's always a train wreck they're horrible to work with and usually what you find out is they write code really 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 fast and then it all has to be scrapped and rewritten by other people almost always so He's and that's what Elon experience. thinks he is. He thinks he's that, but the CEO version. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I could do 10x the management in two minutes. 10x management. Well, how many, how many companies is he CEO of these days? I mean, if he can be a CEO of that many companies, obviously, it must not be that hard a job. <laughs> did anyone else read the reddit post that was like there's entire teams at all of his companies there, there's entire teams i was just gonna say there's entire teams at all of his companies that are dedicated to just managing him like they, they, they just like they take his ideas and they put them in a corner they're like thanks so much for this we're gonna put this in purgatory, and like they like do birthday parties for him, like all that stuff, just to make him feel okay. Like because his the he's so demanding. Not naked. Once again, the emperor is not naked. 
<laughs> yes, it's like that, but actually at like a full-on business model level. Uh, I was going to say, I heard that um, you know user signups are up and uh, user engagement <laughs> and user engagement is up. I mean, what about ads? Are those ads up? are down? <laughs> ads are down. What? Listen, guys, listen. The fire <laughs> is the brightest when it's burning the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's like. You know, this car wreck was incredibly successful. Did you see all the cars coming in the other lane that slowed down to watch this car crash? I'm still surprised as many people as they've laid off. And this is a testament to the previous engineers. And this is one of the things that I hate him for is he comes in. It's like, oh, shit, these people didn't do anything. 75% of them disappear. And this thing keeps going. I, I don't care what you say. That is pretty damn well, good. Hold on. Hold on. I'd like to compare good. this to like a cruise ship, right? And all of the all the crew just jumped off the side. Well, most of the crew jumped off the side. And it's still coasting? It's still going, right? Like the boat's yeah. still going, it's, it's the engine. Unless, unless two-factor two codes were one of your requirements, that isn't going. Yeah, or wasn't that's going. true. But somewhere there's a conversation. It's like, we need to update these DNS records. Should we give that to the intern? That's going to be the end of it. Like, as soon as... As soon as there's a DNS. Some uh, intern was responsible for registering the Twitter.com domain. <laughs> it expires. Yeah, it's now for sale for $18. You know, it's like, get all over Cyber that. Monday sale. Oh, well, let's get away from this one. Because I, I don't know, unless you guys have something like really, really super cool to add. I, I want to move on to... I, I guess uh, the, only, the only thing that we should probably talk about is what... You know, where are people going? People are going to Mastodon and then there's like lots of security flaws being uncovered in Mastodon because now it's getting oh, target. It's getting well, used. Yeah. That's Come literally on, the next story. Can we jump to that story? I just yeah. put it in yeah. the chat. So that is literally the next story that we're having come up where security experts are laying Mastodon's flaws bare and the people behind Burp Suite, there's a bunch of vulnerabilities. Uh, I know Gareth was in there on one of them. He found the HTML injection one. Uh, Lien Avinsky, uh, system misconfiguration allows you to download, modify, and delete everything that's sitting in a Mastodon instance S3 bucket, which sounds bad. Um, Arnog Sen found an anonymous server scraping Mastodon user data. And I, I don't know, like, is this, is this a big deal or is this just a growing pain? Oh my God, that's a weird ad. Is this you a big probably deal? probably get ad block. A, yeah. <laughs> or is this just a growing pain for this service growing like as crazy fast as it's growing, like it's going to get more scrutiny because well, people like the security vulnerabilities in Mastodon, if we're going to get to you, the breach in Twitter here in just a little bit, I don't know how people should take this. So go ahead and jump in. Corey. If, if you think about it, we actually have an instance of something growing like this before. And that was called zoom. Yeah. And we all saw what happened with that. And that's still around. Now, my dude, yeah. that was a corporate, situation here we've got a lot more eyes on it it seems people are more interested in fixing things as they've gone along i know a couple of the uh problems that they've had were fixed pretty quickly and it seems like at least on the instance that i'm on it's getting rolled out pretty fast so i'm seeing other admins trying to do the same thing so and, and I, also, I think ben just put in a quote that i thought was great ben webb on youtube uh, said, well, the system's configuration was on a single instance. And he said, you have to remember that these are distributed across several instances and different administrators. And I think that that, that distributed kind of breakdown, I think, is something that a lot of people are missing uh, from these narratives as well. I mean, it's more a protocol and an infrastructure than it is like a company. You, do you know what I mean? Exactly. And each of the instances could be on a different version of the Mastodon software on top of yeah. it all. And some yeah. versions might be vulnerable to some things while others are vulnerable to others. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, 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 and it's kind of like the ISRON, right? You know, you had the situation where years ago, Adobe, it was tons of vulnerabilities. And then there was vulnerabilities in Java. It's like, as it becomes the thing, like you said with Zoom, Mike, that lit everybody up on Zoom. And if you remember, there were people running around saying, well, I'm not going to use Zoom because of the security vulnerabilities. I don't think there were more security vulnerabilities in Zoom than anything else. It was just getting a lot more news, I think. The, the other, Yeah, I think the other thing, too, about the Zoom particular was like the configuration by default didn't have a password. And so people were Zoom bombing and they were like, oh, my God, the yeah. security. They're like, you can enable a password. They're like, what? Oh, yeah. oh okay. that's a checkbox. Wait, oh. you, you uh, about this ahead of time? Yeah. 
but the the Macedon stuff sounds a little bit more specific too. Uh, like being able to read or the administrator technically being able to read uh, private messages or DMs or whatever. So, but yeah, um, you know. it's the whole like centralized is good and bad at the same time. We talk about this in the cryptocurrency space all the time. Centralized is bad because it can be regulated and you can have, you know, Elon Musk can buy it, etc. But also it means that like if Twitter wants to prevent people from scraping Twitter, that's an engineering decision they make and they implement it and it's across the board and now you can't scrape Twitter. With Macedon, if someone's going to put on scraping protections, so you can't just like anonymously pull every single tweet or every single whatever they're called, mast or whatever, I don't know. Uh, yeah. toots, then, uh, no, they're called toots, I think. Or do they read toots? <laughs> yeah, they're toots. Oh, no. Don't laugh. They were called. No, two. there are because it's because it's you know it's a uh, okay. Uh, well, uh, anyway, when the when the when the extinct <laughs> thing farts, uh, you can scrape it. So basically, like implementing that is going to come down to each admin, which is I guess good if you're on the super secure admin that's like doesn't go on vacation ever, but bad yeah. if like there's a problem and the guy's like, oh, sorry, it, I'm in Hawaii. Like just, I'll get back to. It is oh, funny. I mean, though. You run into stuff too, though, where like if we if we request the resources like via subpoena. Like you have to be able to provide those or you get those services shut down. So, I mean, that's where your admins are going to want to have, yep. retain that access. Yeah. Otherwise, the entire service potentially could get shut down and completely, you know. I don't know if they can do that, though, with Mastodon because it's it's a protocol, right? Like you can't just I, – I, it gets a lot more they, difficult. They can still, they can still black hole the domain you're using and like – True. Is there any asset. private content in Mastodon? Is there DMs? Oh yeah, the thing with the DMs where like if you tag someone in a DM, it pulls them into the DMs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, you're I, like, wow, Ralph is such an idiot. You tag him and he's like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> I've been brought into this, right? Oh, thanks so for bringing I, me I, The other thing I think that we've got to learn as a species is every time that there's a new social media platform, like, we don't just want to go, well, I'm now doing all my dick pics over here. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, what are we going to learn? Like, you know, none of this crap that you put on these things is private. Um, yeah. Like, if it has a public component and a private component, just assume. I mean, yeah. I had a, a ton of people that left Twitter. They're like, I'm leaving Twitter right now and I'm deleting all of my DMs because it's all going to be public anyway because of Elon Musk and all these things. And I recommend you do already. the same. If you have my DMs and you post them publicly, like I'm not going to be that worried about Twitter because I didn't put that crap in Twitter I, in the first place. Right. I do think it was interesting though because people were upset about Mastodon because they're not like in- encrypting right the messages. But I was like, I was thinking Does myself, PGP like, encrypt your own messages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, why not just use like the 17 other end-to-end encrypted messaging platforms to make that communication? Like, do you yeah. need that? Yeah. The whole point of Mastodon is to tweet it out to the world. Or- Toot it out to the world, right? Not to just send DMs. Toot it out. Whatever. <laughs> just. <laughs> it should be a t-shirt. We need to get a t-shirt that says toot it out. Toot it out. <laughs> toot it out like it's going extinct. Hashtag Mastodon. Don't make me get my train shirt that says who tooted on it. Yeah. <laughs> In fairness, come on. You got to understand. The, the guy who made Mastodon, one guy, right? Am I, am I mistaken on this? And did he ever have any expectation that it was going to have to scale to this insane degree overnight? Come on. I mean, yes, if you were designing something that's supposed to be a social network, you would hope you're like, I hope people use it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a social network like, I'm going to get a few thousand people on this to like, how come you didn't plan on it scaling to billions of people? It's yeah. Like, and, and it's a learning curve. Come on. Unless you've been working on making solo enterprise level software that can handle hundreds of simultaneous connections, thousands and thousands of users. Come on. It's not fair. I Every don't know. I don't think it's that hard. Project. It is. Uh, there's seven. There's 738 contributors on GitHub, so that's like the size of Twitter engineering, at least. At least at this point. But I will say this yeah, though: and it's open source. Come but, on. Yeah. Here, here, I mean, the Linux kernel isn't like, oh, this is no, hard. No. Linus Torvalds, like, I don't know. Just, I want to bring up like some of the things people are bringing up. Right, the protocol is ActivityPub, and Requiem 2099 has pointed out there's an argument to be made about the fact that this was a protocol, not a platform, and uh-huh. that. That's a good point. I think that that's a very solid point. I won't like his internet bill. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, 
No, yeah, really. That's another thing. Who's paying no. to host this Infosec Exchange? Like, are we just donating? Like, you give a gigaram, really you give a gigaram. Like, I don't we really know. Yeah, we, we, yeah, you pay in RAM. Yeah. You um, pay in RAM? Yes. Yeah. If only there was a um, blockchain system. No, wait, no, too soon. All right. Not so today. let's bring up another story talking about a company that has lots of money. We, I, I thought we talked about the Twitter breach, the 5.4 million Twitter users. Their data was stolen and leaked online, and there's more privately. None of this information is like, for me personally, it's like, oh, well, that's super interesting. But I can see, especially if you're like a troll account or an anonymous account, like this could be bad. Is this all the if private I'm... DMs? Yeah, or they didn't, they didn't release that. Or trans or somebody who might be targeted by some of the more yeah. radical extremists these days who seem to think that it's their... The... So Mission. this is like the eighth time there's been this data set. And the biggest thing about it is the doxing of people that run multiple accounts and don't and yeah. use the same email. Like, yeah, people like bad there. Like Brian once said, there will be people like taking advantage of this. Like, of course, like any data breach, but more so it's, oh, turns out the guy mm. with the, you know, at Google.com is running the F Google Twitter handle or whatever. <laughs> Those kinds of revelations because phone number and email are very doxable. So like if you're running the Big Ben Twitter account and then now everyone knows that you're just like Big Ben at gmail.com or whatever. So, so with all of this, uh, Stuart B. Smiles Gmail said likelihood of Twitter being dropped by Apple. I don't I don't know. Oh, so this is I, I don't so, think that they're going to get dropped. So this is because so this is like people are saying that Elon's on a collision course with Apple because first of all, he's on a collision course with everything. Everybody. And he's just, he's just, he's basically like a kid and with whack-a-mole. He's like, I can make you mad. I can make you mad. I can get sued by you. I can get regulated by you. Um, but yeah, so this is like, because he said like, of course, this is just a tweet. No one asked for. He's like, we'll make our own phone. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> no one asked for you, but I guess he's like, Oh, this 30% revenue cut is BS. We'll make our own phone. If you take us off your app store, three Twitter engineers that can make that phone in a week. Dude. There's, <laughs> yeah. They're just like, we, they taped the Twitter, Twitter logo over the iPhone. Phone? They made a device. Uh, yeah, no, What's this that? is the jitterbug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a deep cut. That's a all deep you can cut do. Though. All you can do is tweet at directly at Elon. That's all the phone does. It just tweets at Elon. It runs Android yeah. though. Yes. Uh. Yeah. It's a meltdown. I think it's just a you know he he lack of social awareness, lack of social skills, the desire to feel like the Trumpian desire to be like I'm the best. I'm I'm the greatest. Like that kind of. That's it's just like we'll make our own phone. You don't like our phones? We'll, 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 How old we'll, can that be? People it's, on Mars, 2015, all right? Or yeah, Cybertruck or whatever. Like, pick your poison, right? I oh, think the funniest thing about it, in my opinion, was the fact that he tweeted it and it said tweeted from iPhone on the bottom of the tweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they took that off. They took that entire device identifier off Twitter, I thought. Oh, did it actually? Um, that, they said they did. Yes, yeah. It does yeah. say Twitter for iPhone on his tweet right now, right on the website. It does okay. It That's does say funny. Twitter for iPhone. Yes, on we've, the, we've I thought they were taking Elon. that off, folks. We've got to leave Elon Musk. We've got to move into something. We can else just here. talk about we have to. It's been a long about... time since we stopped talking about him. Yeah, well, let's make like it. Twitter and quit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, thirty-four Russian cybercrime groups have stole over fifty million passwords with Steeler Mauer. And this one, um, it isn't just, it isn't just the, the password stealing that they got, but some of the other numbers in this are insane. Um, aside from the looting passwords, the Steelers also harvested 2.1 billion cookie files, 113,000 crypto wallets, and 103,000 payment cards. Ooh. Like, they, they've been way successful with this i i just good night uh this is a very successful campaign and what are they selling it for online da, 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 da. i can't remember what they said this <laughs> what's the street value for this um just the um the underground market value for stolen logs and compromised credit cards and that's just the credit cards is 5.8 million dollars yeah i think it's like it's added up though like this this would be get cut up and sold in many different compartments probably oh so. yeah it's, absolutely more, it's like like when you steal a car it's worth more if you sell it off for parts yeah i just yeah but the stealer logs are actually something we're looking into for gold mine um there there a lot of them have been publicly disclosed and they're kind of interesting like 
there's actually a lot of information in Steeler Logs that is terrifying and very specific. There was a really interesting talk at Deadwood about them. All right. I've got another story talking about Sonder, queuing it up. So this article, I don't know how interesting the article in and of itself is, but I, <laughs> the thing that I don't like about this is there's a lot of like doubt in that, like, like they basically said, Sonder believes that guest records created prior to October 1st were involved in this incident. Okay. <laughs> That's what they, they believe. This suggests the company has improved their security since that October, or the attacker managed to access an old backup copy of the data. One of those things, maybe, possibly, could be true. And then it's like unauthorized access could apply to current staff or someone who left a while ago, or a vendor, or an attacker. And then it said, additionally, Sonder believes that copies of government issues, identifications, such as driver's licenses or passports, may have also been accessed. This sounds like someone we should be calling and asking if they need some help. I don't know if I want to get close to that dumpster fire. It's, <laughs> <Yeah>. just, <laughs> it's obvious they have no idea what's going sure, on. So. But that's a hot damn dumpster fire. Yeah, that's bad. What is Sonder anyway? What do they do? They're a hospitality management company. Ooh, what is that? Like they put the chocolate on the pillow? Or no, is this like Airbnb? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's it, I think it's my understanding of it was that it was like like the Airbnb back end like stuff, but for hotels. Uh, OK, so it's like is yeah, like the people that handle all the bookings and stuff for like hotels dot com maybe or something like no, that. No, it really looks like another Airbnb. Really? Oh. really? By the way, New York Times said they were the next billion dollar startup back next in 2019. Billion dollars. Next billion dollars. Not with they meant billion dollar fine. So confirm they're still Different. bad at capitalism yes Different, probably but the same I, I and and i think that this is kind of a, a good case study if there's ever a breach and your company's trying to figure out how to notify people about the breach just look at what they did and don't do that you know try to give some more <laughs> specifics or better yet have proper logging in the first place so you can answer those questions because everything that's coming out of it is basically telling me that they have crap awful logging and they have no idea how bad this particular incident is or isn't. And um, it's just bad. And I was talking to an attorney a while ago, and he had an interesting take. And I've talked about it a little bit on the show in the past, where they're basically like, yeah, if we don't know, we don't log, then it's kind of a blip in the like, matrix and the white noise. Um, we're like, ah, it might have been 20 million. Who knows? We don't know for sure how many records. We'll just give people free credit monitoring. But the reputational damage is less for an organization because they use so many words like could have been, possibly have been, that people just are like in their head, they just think, well, I don't have to worry about this at all. And that really makes me uncomfortable because I feel like it might somewhat be true from a psychological perspective where you know the less specifics a company has about the breach doesn't make their customers and stock investors say, oh my God, they're horrible at security. It's basically telling him it's not as big of a priority as it could be. And I wanted to get your take on that. I was going to say that it sounded almost like their legal team was recorrecting them every time they went to put out a statement. Oh, we can do this. No, we can do that. It really screams of legalese on it. Now, from a marketing perspective. I told you I talked to a lawyer and the lawyer said that. So you might go ahead. You might be right. Now, from from a idea of protecting the brand. That psychologically makes a lot of sense because people will go ahead and say, okay, we don't know what's going on. Okay, they're not sure what's going on. And if they don't hear something else going forward, it's going to be like, oh, it's just nothing. People aren't going to stay in tune to it at this point in time going, well, what's next? What's next? Did they or did they not get breached? I said, I wonder if it has something to do with the cloud security engineer that they're currently hiring for. That might have something to do with it. (laughs) What do you mean we're supposed to lock down our S3 buckets? Why didn't anyone tell us? So, okay, this brings up, so this happens all the time. Like government IDs are disclosed because of the KYC thing all the time because companies are like, okay, well, we're Coinbase or we're Sonder or whoever. We have to make sure people are who they say they are. There's no way you can Photoshop a driver's license. We'll just make them take a picture of their driver's license or passport or whatever, send it to us. This stuff gets breached all the time because they just hold on to it. They put it in unsecured S3 buckets, et cetera. We need to like if I not to be political, but like we need to come up with a way to change these government IDs 
in some way like can i get a new social security number can i get like a new passport number <laughs> without it taking a month like we need to like no. get this stuff rolling or some better way of verifying well, who people are because you it's know what's bad interesting, Corey, it's interesting about that is there's only one thing your social security number is legally obligated to and that's tax purposes. Right. Um, that's it. Social security number. That's it. If anybody else asks for your social security number, you can absolutely decline. You can say no. Know. Yeah. Yep. But what about like so, my government ID? What about my driver's license? How hard would it be to get another driver's license number or another like, I don't yeah. know, or like, like my passport or something like that? I don't know. We need to make it our crypto wallets. I think the other thing that we run into is there have been so many breaches at this point in time that I everybody might just figure that their information's out there anyways. And the only thing that they really care about is a credit card number that they're going to have to go ahead and change all over the place. The third and that's time. easy to change, right? Yeah. Yeah. Someone needs to like do a KYC as a service type of deal where it's like, you know, some, we have a way of verifying that people are who they say they are. It's somewhat secure and we don't require every company that does KYC to hold on to every single person's driver's license, photos, passport photos, like it just needs to be standardized instead of just like the government's like, well, do you have photos of everyone that uh, all your clients passports? You're like, I guess I need to go do that. I let me go this, ask. Like this gets back to one of the questions I keep asking. Does anyone even give a shit anymore? It's like credit cards get breached. Okay. I get a new credit card. Oh, my social security has been breached. I, th I think like five, six times now. Have you got a new social so, I don't really plan on needing social security at some point. So I'm not really terribly worried about protecting it at this point. <laughs> well, no, it's it's because someone can use it to impersonate yeah, you, just that, like anything else. Here's the thing. You could become a mule for Lazarus Group because they can just take your driver's license photo and use it to sign up for a crypto exchange. And then the FBI is like, oh, we see you sent money to North Korea. Don't do that. You're like, I didn't. They're like, you know, yeah. it's tough. But this still comes back to what is the thing that moves the needle where people are like, and I think the closest we got as a group was browser history. Like if there was an attack that absolutely <laughs> stole your browser history and associated it with you and shared it out online, that would get people worked up, right? That would absolutely get. But other than that, no one cares anymore. It's like that Jurassic Park meme. It's like, I've stolen your social security number and it's posted everywhere. See, no one cares. It just, <laughs> you know, keep coming back to it uh, again and well, again and again. There's also breach fatigue. Oh, we're definitely there, right? Oh, totally. Complete. I mean, it's why, why should I care? People already are, are absolutely convinced that nobody can be trusted, not the government, not the police, not, not anybody, not even your dog hardly anymore. And, and <laughs> I mean, it's, it's awful because that means that people don't care and they're taken advantage of and these problems aren't getting solved. So I want to look like, like to look at one of the, like, logical conclusions of where this crap goes. Uh, the Medibank. Um, I think we talked about it the last show that I was on. Medibank decided not to have pay or not to pay the attackers. And that's going to have a downstream impact on Medibank's customers, right? Their patients. So yeah, this is a, like an editorial piece that's basically like why you should pay the ransom. By the way, I'm totally not a ransomware actor who is going to benefit from this or anything. Here's a selfie. <laughs> so. Here's a selfie. Yep. Unless anyone knows Chris Rock, uh, I heard he got slapped He's a on professional stage hacker and co-founder oh. of Sim Monster. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess this is like a hot take, right? And that's you know, fine, dude. Like, and it's not an invalid hot, hot takes. take for the yeah. record. Like what Chris that's Rock is saying has absolutely valid points to it but i think that ransomware is the only type of attack that actually gets people worked up anymore right they break yeah. into your own personal computer and they lock it down and they still people are like holy crap they got access to my computer and they locked it down all these other massive breaches like twitter they got you know 5.8 million records whatsapp i think was another one that got 500 million phone numbers like no one gets excited about this anymore at all i so, think that, the numbers yeah. are so huge too people don't understand I mean, they understand what five looks like. They look, understand what 25 looks like. But by the time you get to millions, it's no longer real. It's, it's yeah. fantasy. It's theoretical. And, so, and it's like, oh, gee, another five million. Well, okay, it could be, I could be one of the five million, but it's kind of like playing the lottery. Maybe, yeah. maybe my number isn't in there. And 
X, X edit said. X edit said. <laughs> Sorry. X edit just <laughs> You can get the decryption. decryption so, so the core, the core of this person's argument is basically that these ransomware firms are going legit. They're, they're, they're companies. They they're doing, they're doing business. And the, the argument they're making, this per, Chris Rock is making is. The companies, if you pay, totally won't release your data because if they did, then the next person won't pay. But that, I don't know, the whole like arguing that, uh, you know, threat actors are super reputable and what will follow like common sense (laughs) just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I I feel like it's kind of kind of springboarding off that, Corey, the whole bullshit of like, you know, don't pay and then the attackers won't do this anymore. That only works if everybody decides to not pay. Yes, that's true. That's the only way. That is the only way. So if somebody in chat can come up with a different approach, but the only way that that argument works is if everybody decides not to pay. Well, so yes, you're right. And also the the thing that the argument against this from me is that these organizations are completely unpredictable and they're constantly trying to destroy themselves from within. Like yeah. these, and they do. We, they tear each we, other apart. Yes, we know this from just history. Like you can go as far back as you want. Attacker groups are their own worst enemies. Like they they hack each other, they dox each other, they get mad and get like into these weird like we have more spam emails than you have. We'll publish ours to prove that we have more than you or whatever. Like it, nice. I, I paying does not guarantee they're not just going to crumble and release all their data or like I, I don't know. I guess I would just say like I. I, I think saying no, no one pays is silly, but I also think saying that like, oh, they have a reputation to uphold. They'll totally like, they'll totally keep your data safe if you pay. Yeah, I, like, I, I will, Corey, I will say this. I think that that argument holds more water than saying don't pay. Like if you say they have a reputation to uphold, I do think that that has more weight to really? it than saying if we all stopped paying simultaneously. You know, what's it's that like saying Steve if Martin we could thing? all just drive at a normal speed and not tailgate, then there yeah. would be no traffic or whatever. Like it you makes can't no even sense. get Martin. people to agree on what is the best flavor of ice cream: chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. Yeah. They no, can't no. even no. agree on something it's like that. Yeah. I think they're going to agree on happen. something like hacking and, and not paying a ransomware. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> Corey, Corey brought up a point, and I wanted to bring it up: where these groups are their own worst enemies. They're tearing each other apart, and this is an example where Mars Stealer. The actual code for Mars Stealer was leaked, I think, by another ransomware group. And then a whole bunch of people used that software for free. A security researching firm found vulnerabilities in that particular software that was released. And they actually went and locked out, I think, five of the different ransomware attackers. And I guarantee you, the other ransomware organizations are absolutely taking advantage of this. And they're tearing each other apart constantly. So is that good? Is that, is that, is there, because that's sad. Corey, I, I agree with you 100%, but damn, I just want to point out that's depressing as hell. Like the best thing we have going for us is they're going to just let them fight. They're going to fight it out. <laughs> Someone's so. like finding a use after free bug in some other ransomware and using it to exploit all the bots yeah. of that ransomware to like that get, literally is our yeah. solution to ransomware, waiting for other ransomware groups to hack each other. I mean, I will say that like it, it benefits the, the source code being disclosed benefits anyone who is compromised because now we can like look at reversing the keys or finding a kill switch or all that kind of stuff. Like knowing having the source code lets researchers do a lot more with the malware than they could with just uh, binary samples. But like, yeah, I mean, I think it's just. It's just the way it is. I don't know what Mars Steeler is, but now there's going to be like a hundred offshoots of it. Like it's it's about to go franchise model very soon. <laughs> yeah, because now everybody can use it. Yeah. Um, all right. So another ransomware story I wanted to jump into. I thought we talked about AirAsia. Maybe I read it and I was like, we need to talk about this. But the ransomware gang broke into AirAsia and they basically <laughs> said never again. They said the chaotic organization of their network, the absence of any standards, caused <laughs> the irritation of the group, complete unwillingness to repeat this attack. The spokesperson's from Daxstein team. Oh, the group refused to put through the garbage. As our pen testers said, let the newcomers sort this trash out. They oh have a God. lot of time. The internal network was configured without any rules and as a result worked very poorly. It seemed that every new systems administrator built his shed next to the old building. At the same time, the network protection was very, very weak. How bad 
do you have to be as an organization where the ransomware gangs are like, no, we're not going to touch it. We're not no. going to touch we it. Found our solution. We got so bad that they just don't want to touch us. There, there's a bunch of CTOs right now sitting around saying, you know, if we just didn't pay for all these new tools that you keep telling me to buy and I just let you make it dissolve to chaos, like they won't hack us. Like they can't. They, they, let they us probably go. thought they were at a honeypot network. They're like yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I mean, so 50% right. packet loss is 50% system over there. Is that real or is that a honeypot? No, no, that's literally an airplane real. flying through the sky right now. Yeah. <sighs> oh my God. I, I, I mean, I guess this is like just the funny. It's like this is just a leaked internal email from BHIS talking to our worst client. <laughs> like this, this is us being like, listen, we want to help you with security, but we can't. And here's 150 reasons why we can't. I, I'm going to compare a new tester to. I don't know. I'm going to go with Ralph on this one where a new oh, tester God. gets yeah, yeah. in, gets in a network. I'm so picking on you for this, dude. Uh, a, a new tester gets into a network like that. They're like, they had all these vulnerabilities. They had all these SQL injection vulnerabilities from IIS four web servers. They had this and they had that and they had this. It was like the best pen test ever. Ah! <laughs> and Ralph, who's been doing this for a decade is like, no more of that shit. Like I don't ever want to hire. I get no satisfaction out of it. And it just took a report that should have been 75 pages. And now I have 450 things I have to document. Can I literally just put in the report, kill it with fire, start over again? If you're a ransomware actor, yes. The answer is yes. They're like, we can't even get our agent to run on your Windows deployment because there's not enough memory or whatever. <laughs> like, we can't even... You don't have .NET installed. <laughs> we, we can't manage our C2 because you don't have enough bandwidth. Yes, the internet yeah. keeps cutting out. If you would fix the spanning tree, our network communication could actually maybe work. But... Yeah. Oh, Are you running God. this network on a T1? Like, what the hell? What it turns it? out oh, it's all just God. on one plane and whenever it goes out of satellite communication range it just stops working it's like all the data oh, centers are the data center planes on fire oh and, and, and like you could see the company like if we pr produced a report like that they're like we're never hiring you again good. we're like good yeah <laughs> that, that would, the only thing is we learn. don't say we don't we don't uh announce it publicly there's no bhis blog that says do not touch this company <laughs> i will tell you i don't know if i've talked about it on the show but i've talked about it internally i did have a CISO. Uh, was brand new to her job. She just got in this position. She was so excited. She brought in BHIS. We did a pen test, like a lot of testing for them. And I went out to their location and uh, <laughs> had a meeting with all their devs and all their administrators. And as we're going through the pen test report, you can just see the blood draining from her face. And she was just like, and at the end, she cleared the room. She said, everybody leave except John. And they shook hands and people grabbed bagels on their way out. And she's like, how bad is it? And I said, it's so bad. I recommend you put in about 12 to 18 months as a CISO and find another position someplace else as a CISO. It, <laughs> wow. it, was, it was not, it was not wow. recoverable. Like it's an, it's an organization that like they, they literally had web apps that were accessed database automatically generated web apps everywhere in the entire environment. And to redo it would have been millions mm. and millions and millions of dollars. So, okay, so whoever, you whoever, goes, whoever goes to work at AirAsia, you need to have a clause in your, you need to have a clause in your employment contract that says it's called the flamethrower clause. And what it states, <laughs> what it states is that you are allowed to remove any asset from the environment with no justification or requirement to replace it at all. It's like, I, that's the only way you should work there is if you get the flamethrower clause in your contract. You can burn it all down. <laughs> what was so there was a hard drive company, I think it was Seagate, uh, years and years ago. And they switched over to a new like internal system for like management of tickets and what needed to be done. And the they they just couldn't get it off the ground. They kept on trying, kept on trying. And literally everybody was fighting, oh, the new system sucks, and we stick with the old system. We gotta do this, we gotta do that. And then finally, the CTO was like, we are now transferring over. It's going to happen next month. Everyone was fighting it. Everyone was fighting it. And literally, he went in and deleted the entire old system, just nuked it, just flamethrower, brought the entire old system down. 
And he was like, there, we're now on this new system. Either A, we make it work or B, we go out of business. And uh, they were able to, they were amazingly, they were able to get everything working with the new system relatively quickly. I don't ever recommend doing that. Don't ever <laughs> there's no, there's no consequences if you're at the sea level. There's no consequences anyway. So you might as well yeah. bust out the flamethrower. I mean, you got your golden parachute. Just don't catch that on fire and you're good. Yeah, it's the, King, it's the King Kamehameha thing of like burning the ships as you land. See, now we can't retreat. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> YOLO. YOLO MBA. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Um, I wanted to get... In particular, Ralph, since I picked on him, this uh, Docker Hub repository, like over 1,600 of them were running malware. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it it hit me. I use Docker Hub all the time trying to find only 16. Thanks, Bronwyn. Um, (laughs) I use Docker Hub all the time just to find random things and, you know, just spool them up really fast. And yeah, it hit me reading this article. Like, there's very, very little. Like, I don't validate that crap. I mean, that just like a breeding ground for absolutely horrible things to spread. Because I don't know if Docker Hub is doing any security audits on this stuff at all. I don't believe Docker Hub does any security audits on any of the Docker containers. So, I mean, Docker Hub. They do take them down if you flag them, but. um, Yeah, they're just a registry, right? So, all, all, you know, a lot of these Docker images, right? They're a a GitHub repo or whatever, but they don't have to be there. Like, you can manually Mm -hmm. push a Docker image. And not expose the actual like Docker build file, and just push it uh, in there. And then you know, obviously, the article talks about doing like do- doppelgangers, right? Of different more. Yeah, that's like really that. an interesting but, attack. Yeah. Doing a doppelganger that's like Ubuntu with yeah. two years or something. <laughs> it's just a crypto miner. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Your don't lamp type. Yeah. 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 So when you paste that command, paste it from a really good source. Really good. Crash that. override said that scares the hell out of me. But if you take this entire thing and you roll it a little bit further. It's the same thing that's going on in Amazon. Like, you know, you can totally just go one click. Like we did that blog post on Elastic Map Reduce vulnerabilities that Jordan discovered. Like you're literally deploying an entire stack and there's huge security vulnerabilities built into it, but you can deploy it with one freaking click. Yep. And I'm wondering just like, this is just Docker Hub. I just, a lot of people use Docker Hub. Oh, holy hell. Like this is, I'm surprised just 1500. Yeah, the other wild part about this is that actually Docker Hub, um, this is related but unrelated. Docker Hub is actually charges money now, right? Like they 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 got really big and then everyone started downloading all the images off there. And so they started charging money. So now actually people are um, using uh, GitHub itself to set up a registry, yep. right? So you can just actually pull the image directly from GitHub um, where they're hosting the um, Docker files, right? The equivalent of the Docker build, right? And, uh, you know, I, I can see this on GitHub too. Like if this is really... Um, something that's not going to go away anytime soon. I mean, like we we have zero like scan built in, right? We don't have anything scanning right now. What you uh, run on Docker? Well, so one person in the comments said that they have a partnership with Sneak for scanning. I don't. What kind of scanning does Sneak do on Docker? Does it just look for like private keys and stuff, or is it actually looking for? I assume it isn't like malware scanning. I have no idea. Honestly, it's like, okay, so what, what does that look like, though? So a Docker container is just a build, uh, a build recipe, right? But right. that recipe could pull from a file, right? That is, you know, something, yeah, it gets saved into the image, but now you have to do binary or, you know, static analysis on that file. Like, you know, I mean, it's like the equivalent of a virus scan now. Yeah, right? I think it's more like vulnerability scanning. Like you pulled down, uh, you pulled down jQuery version seven point two or whatever, and that's a vulnerable version. Mm, yeah, yeah, old versions. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't check for like crypto miners. So maybe, honestly, you know, this is a good opportunity for someone like Sneak to implement some static analysis, like you know, basic heuristic detection. I mean, crypto miners aren't exactly impossible to find. But, but that's what I was going to get to. Like, if you're talking of a Docker container, right, it's not a binary, right? Like, the number of places where you can hide malware in that is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how static analysis can detect anything. I mean, I mean, if Docker they can find the jQuery version that's, or yeah. something like that, if they can find a vulnerable piece of software inside of a container, then they can probably find a vulnerable, uh, an exploit inside of a container. I don't know if this assume. exists yet, but here's one solution, right? And it may already exist, so I could just be like literally rehashing what's already been done. What about just signing the image layer, right? Or signing the 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 version, 
right? Um, I would yeah. like that as an idea because at least then there's some level of accountability. It yeah, at least I can say, or at least you could implement something that says, oh, check the signature to make sure that this is the... Well, also, the they should be taking down Typo Squad at Docker Hub repos too. I'm sure they are, but I mean, how, you know... That's like well, they're know, not doing a very good job. Their greps are way off. Their greps yeah, are off. X brought up just fire up each container and scan it. I don't think it's, it's that easy. Level. Number one, I don't. Yeah. And it kind of defeats the purpose. It, it, you don't, you aren't, you aren't supposed to be treating these Docker containers as full standalone operating systems, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's supposed to be easy to update. It's supposed to be easy to replicate. It's supposed to be easy to make life easy. I, 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 <laughs> regex is hard, Corey. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> It, it is, it is. And, and like the level of places where you can hide in a container on like an operating system, it's not as simple as just looking for malicious binaries at that point. So yeah. there are, there are some things you could do though. And if anyone writes the code, I'll donate the computational resources. Like you could have like a simple check, like similar to like a cuckoo type of deal where it's like, if this cryptocurrency or this uh, container just maxes out your CPU for a half an hour after you pull it down, <laughs> that's bad, <laughs> like, right? That's, bad. that's probably bad. Nope, that's just Java. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just some basic heuristics you could do, but, or like, you know, is it, does it communicate with the, the internet? Traffic with the, watching the network tough. traffic with a tool like Rita. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm in that known good uh, camp here. Because I just yeah, don't know how many yeah. like crazy containers you're going to need to download every day. Exactly. Just go. <laughs> yeah. Go, so first of all, let's make let's normalize signing containers. If you're a publisher of a reputable Docker container, sign sign it. What are you doing? Second of all, watch your pace. You got to watch those pace. If you're reading some sketchy hacker blog that explains how to totally run a Node.js or whatever on a server, maybe, yeah. you know, make sure. Maybe maybe come come back off page four of Google a little bit. Um, <laughs> Back up. yeah page one only guys come on yeah page one only page one only all right so next story um speaking of trusted sources and this this hurts me deeply new windows server updates cause domain controller freezes and restarts basically it's a bug in local security authority subsystem service and there's a registry key that will fix it but every time we get an update every time we get a push from a vendor that causes a crash we get a little bit closer to being back to the land of we're not going to push any updates for like four months after we know that they're okay. You know, I, I don't know what the answer is other than Microsoft needed to test their stuff a little bit better before it gets sent out. But Microsoft is the best in the world at this. Um, I don't, there's no other company that does stuff at scale that Microsoft does with fewer issues than Microsoft does on the aggregate. So this, this scares the hell out of me. Right. And this gets, uh, this ties into security because if we get into finding security vulnerabilities and we're telling people to install patches, we are already starting to get people that push back because of things like solar winds and some of the exchange on-prem stuff where people are saying, oh, well, we can't roll out that patch right away because we don't trust these patches. This scares me. Isn't that pretty much what WSUS was really like, you know, um, implemented for, you know, it, obviously to deploy at scale patching, but also, you know, many organizations would use it to hold back, right? They would hold back these patches and wait, yep. and deploy it into a, you know, a testing environment, make sure, and then that 30 day life, and then they would push it out to the rest, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I don't but know. You were, when you were doing that, you were pushing it into a 30 day rotation simply so that way you could... That fly hates you, dude. They I know it's, it's really pissing me off. As soon as I stream, I swear they come out of the like out of the woodwork or something. They know you're talking. I know. Um, but like we, we would do like I, I we I worked with organizations that did that. You'd push it back for 30 days and you'd go back and be like, so why are we delaying this by 30 days? And we're like, oh, just to see what happens. You know, yeah. maybe someone on the Internet will tell us that bad things have happened. And I mean, in this case, there is a thing that says, hey, bad things kind of happen. But yeah. like you have no justification to really do it other than just hoping that someone on the internet will come and save you. And if everyone does that, then nobody will update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the approach. We're going to let some other lemmings go off the cliff. First. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, we're just letting someone yeah. else screw up and then we'll, we'll learn from their mistakes. Like yeah, small businesses do that all the time. There's reasons why they call it the bleeding edge. There's reasons why. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not the bleeding edge. This is just a patch. Okay, hold on, hold on. So Matthew, no, it should be that it's just a patch. But the problem is, how are you going to know? If you're coming out, it hasn't been tested, except No, no, that's Microsoft's job. You test your patches before you publish them. That's literally the only reason anyone's paying for your software. 
Bronwyn's Bronwyn's being devil's advocate, and she's literally echoing like what is being said. And well, okay, so that's exactly so. So Matthew Kerr had the solution. Matthew Kerr has a solution. Just switch over to our cloud hosted domain controllers. Only cost one thousand dollars per domain. Right. Well, hold on. You and that comes to what you were saying, Corey. Like. You're like, well, that's why that's literally the only reason that we're paying for you. But you're paying like a very small amount of money in the grand scheme of things for your Windows server operating system. So, yeah. So is this a business model gets thing? Back into numbers that gets back into shark attacks and Coke machines. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, something like this goes down and this is a story that burns an organization and you literally have CEOs that will be like, oh, we got to be careful with patches. It's time to pump the brakes. These are rare. These issues are incredibly rare. And I go back to Microsoft, it's literally their job. And I'm just going to say Microsoft's been doing a fantastic job of it for the last decade. But every time one of these things slips through, every single time, there's a very much non-zero percentage of organizations that step up and say, oh, well, we've got to pump the brakes on patches. And like I said, I don't know what the solution to this is. There's no right or wrong. Microsoft screwed up, folks. That's the story. Thankfully, it's incredibly rare, and we should still be pushing the uh, gas on getting these patches out as quickly as possible. Well, and, yeah. and part, oh, of the is, nothing to <laughs> part of the problem, though, is that if you're dealing with management, especially executive management, that doesn't have a firm grasp of the actual technology and the details involved in this, they see something that scares them one time. And now you're having to threat profile. Do, you're, you're having to deal with their insecurities for the next ten years because <laughs> okay. they read something so, in the Wall Street Journal yeah, one time like, about things going south. Oh, it isn't it isn't a technology issue. It is yeah, not a technology it, issue. So okay, so, so it, it gets back to the Wall Street Journal thing. A lot of the big name, like like uh, the mainstream media, mainstream. They tend to get quotes like you need to fully validate and vet all patches because that's like the advice that some jackass told them to do back in 2000. Right. And yeah. All right. So, okay. No, <laughs> if you work, if you work in, so, okay, here's, here's what you got to do. If you work at an organization that does this, here's what you do. You, you walk into your executive's office and you say, our domain controllers just got compromised because they weren't patched. Uh, the the ransomware actor the ransomware actor wants ten million dollars. Will you sign this check? We need to pay the ransom, or else we won't be able to continue doing business. And then you say, "Oh, actually, I'm just kidding. We patched. We patched because we always patch. Like you yeah. gotta you gotta offer fired. offer. Yeah, and then you get fired. But then you have whatever. <laughs> you didn't want to work there anyway. If there you're was this thing patching, you gotta work for a company that you're actually you're takes your boss seriously. Sir, I think the thing we need to keep in mind here is it could have been a hell of a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> like like uh, like why not? Raw said hashtag tabletop exercise on the fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, what I'm saying is offer the other side of the argument, right? If you don't patch, there is a risk. There's a rich is if you do patch, there's a risk if you don't patch. Make sure you weigh those two things because it's not like, oh well, they won't get in. We have firewalls, like you know, that it, just like, just snowball executives. Why did everything go down? Degaussing. We've got to degauss <laughs> all the hard drives in production. And then have all the IT administrators in on it and be like, Did you finish that degaussing? Yes, I ran it through the hawk. Himself, you know, <laughs> I bought the most powerful magnet I could afford. Bought the most powerful <laughs> magnet that I can find. We got all of the same thing you can explain to the executive. See what happens. You have these, you always hear us talking about packets, sir, right? Well, what happens is that we have these little nibbles. They're like little bits of packets <laughs> that fall outside of the packets and they collect after a while. So, what we need to do is we they need to clog up the network, Ethernet like cables, run magnets over them to clean those bits out. And that's what we were doing. We were we were degaussing. So that's um, why everything exactly. went down yesterday. Every it's every scheduled. organization expands. It, it was in our change management review notes. Yep. So. All right. Well, I, I I got the last story I want to talk about is making Cobalt Strike harder for threat actors to abuse. Basically, Google has gone through and has identified the versions and the specific sets of Cobalt Strike that have been leaked online and are releasing open source Yara rules. And in their virus total collection, which makes me think of Ooh. Martha Stewart every time I read that. It sounds it's like a 2009 Merlot or whatever. Yeah, mm, it's, it's vintage, vintage 2022. Ooh, very good. I love that year. I, I, is, this, is, this, is this actually going to work? I mean, I'm not saying that Google's a bunch of idiots, but 
seems to me like it's kind of a band-aid type thing and attackers will get around this is again. probably I mean, yeah. the uh, yara rules and i'm gonna use yara as like you know general sense right the rules that yeah. have probably already existed in all these edr products for the last like three or four years right that's it right? yeah i was gonna say this is, this yeah. is really cool for the open source people that aren't paying like a thousand dollars a user a year for this solution that can identify strike. yeah but but it, it it's kind of a little bit slow i don't know it's, it's like this would have been so cool like five years ago dude <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> like yeah i, I mean it, it is cool but nice for the open source community nice that it's yara rolls anyone that can be in- implemented in any product any level it's super easy this also gets back into like a lot of these threat intelligence like there's going to be threat intelligence vendors they're going to pick this up and they're going to throw it into their iocs that they sell to people and this gets into like the the side of cyber threat intelligence that i hate where we're reselling the stuff that we're already selling like your av vendor already has signatures your firewall vendor already has ip like denialist IP address URLs and domains. Like that's already in your products that you're paying. for. And a lot of these vendors will take this stuff and then they're going to repackage it again and they're going to sell it as a threat intel. And that's crazy. Now, oh, Wade yeah. brought up it's something. Bad. I tweeted this, I, I retweeted somebody, give me Sigma. And I think that that's great. You know, CISA, one of the things that CISA could do instead of like, here's Yara rules, you know, here's the MD5 hashes. Give me Sigma rules that I can then convert and get into my SIM for some of these bleeding edge things. Because where you have AV signatures and firewall denialists, those are getting shared out very, very, very quickly. The more granular detects things you get off of the individual workstations of Sysmon, those are much more difficult. And if we could literally have a base level of Sigma rules to detect some of these things, that would be just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things like uh, the number of clients I've had over the years that have been incredibly frustrated when their product doesn't do X, Y, or Z. And there's another version of that same product that does. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just so frustrating, whether it's EDR is the worst defender. It's like, oh, you want in-memory detection? That's another, mm-hmm. you know, what it's like, oh, you're, yeah. you're already looking at, it's, just, you know, it's super frustrating, but like, I will say- a million you know, a year. It, every little <laughs> bit helps. I think more than anything, this is like a headline generator dot, you know, Helping flex. I think White Cyberduck yeah. said they're flexing their Mandiant purchase. Yes, like, for sure. Look what we, we found on their Git repo. But it's like it's like <laughs> if someone offers you a free cookie, you're not like, oh, I wish it wasn't oatmeal raisin. You're just like, okay. yeah. Oh it's... no, dude, I get that all the time. Like a pay what you can class, and I'm like, not ripping on your class or anything. But and it's like, <laughs> I, I literally gave you 16 hours of training for free, and you're 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 doing a three star review. Just f you get out get out get so out. the good get news out. is now we can all just cover we can just we can just show cobalt strike ttps in the open now because we know that there's our rules for it so it's <laughs> but didn't didn't the evaluations already light cobalt strike up like a christmas tree like seriously like after they did that that i think it was apt1 or apt29 where they used cobalt strike it literally stopped working for all of our engagements overnight yeah, we all switched over i think what was it? Silent Trinity. We had to switch over to um, from Marcello. But I, I, I thought that all the vendors were damn good at catching Cobalt Strike regardless. Like, I don't think this is necessary. They are good at catching Cobalt Strike in its default form, right? But with a little bit of effort, you know, some little bit of coding, you can, you can make it work. But, you know, a lot of the EDR vendors have moved to the point, especially if they've turned up all the NAS, you know, all the dials I, and everything, I, that mm-hmm. execution after that can get a little tricky. If, but if we're talking about YAR rules, we're talking way lower level than EDR, yes. right? We're talking, yeah. we're like, we're talking, we're talking about something that is available for the masses, not mm-hmm. for someone yep. that's going to pay for a CrowdStrike license. And it is cool yep. that like, I, if my grandma's worried about Cobalt Strike, she doesn't have to pay for Falcon Overwatch. She can just go and get some YAR rules, right? <laughs> like, so yeah. expensive. I looked you know what now. I mean? So it's just Corey, like, it, Corey, it's, though, it's, it's for everyone oh. out there. Your grandma does not need to worry about Cobalt Strike. Yeah. Ever. Okay, Ever. look, if it, if it slows down the awesome. kitties, if it slows down the <laughs> kitties, that's a good thing. So yeah. you guys remember, uh, what was it, Fire Sheep? Yeah, that was the uh, browser plugin, right, for yeah, Facebook? So you, you could, yeah. yeah, you installed a browser plugin. It allowed you, because what Facebook and Twitter did for a long time is they encrypted the logon screen, but as soon as you went to Twitter or to Facebook, it was all HTTP. And I was teaching a class in my grandmother's basement, which sounds really bad, but I was teaching a class in my grandmother's basement and uh, she heard me talking about Fire Sheep. So she installed Fire Sheep on her notebook computer 
took it to the senior center where they did like pancake breakfasts and played Parcheesi <laughs> all the time. And she ran it on the wireless network at the senior center and was able <laughs> to like take over a whole bunch of other people's computer systems. Now, she told me this, right? She told me this story. And I was like, grandma, she's like 77 or something like that. I'm like, grandma, that's illegal. And she was like, she, she was like, you really think they're going to put me in prison? And I'm like, you know what? Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> she passed away. She passed away. She passed away on uh, like Halloween. Uh, I want to say it was like six, seven years ago. And at her, at her wake, I got up and everyone was telling stories about my, my grandmother. And I got up and I told the story about my grandmother doing this. And I think this story is hilarious, right? No one laughed, right? They were probably After I got horrified. done telling the story, one of her friends came up and he was kind of mad. And he's like, so that was, that was your grandma that did that? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, that's, and she never told us. She was going on people's Twitter and Facebook pages and she was oh, posting no. porn. In their accounts. Wow, that's hardcore. So, literally, I'm telling you, your grandmother may not care about you. Literally hardcore. But my grandmother would have. So, with that, take us out, Ian. Thank you very much, everybody.